lecture nine part one of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture nine on the gifts of the holy ghost part one the spirit helpeth our infirmity romans chapter eight verse twenty six fortitude is one of the seven gifts of the holy ghost it is the strengthening gift and patience is included in fortitude these instructions would therefore be incomplete without some exposition of the divine gift of fortitude but as the seven gifts of the holy ghost are united with each other this again requires that we should explain the whole of the divine gifts first in their union and then in their distinctions god the father was especially manifested in the work of creation god the son in the work of redemption and god the holy ghost in the work of sanctification but even in the work of creation there was a certain manifestation of the son and of the holy ghost the father spoke his creative word through his eternal word and the spirit brooded like a divine bird over the chaotic elements to fertilize the creation and bring it into order and completeness he also breathed the breath of living grace into the newly created adam in the old testament he was equally promised with the son was manifested in the benedictions of the patriarchs spoke through the prophets gave fortitude to god's heroes and sanctity to the just in the prophet ezekiel the holy spirit of god is especially promised as the sanctifier of souls cleansed in the blood of christ i will pour upon you clean water and you shall be cleansed from your filthiness and i will cleanse you from all your idols and i will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you and i will take away your stony heart and will give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit in the midst of you and will cause you to walk in my commandments and to keep my judgments and do them and you shall be my people and i will be your god ezekiel chapter twenty six verses twenty five through twenty eight in the creed the holy spirit is especially distinguished by what he does for us as the lord and giver of life this office of life-giver he has revealed in one of the most striking figures of holy scripture in the prophecy of ezekiel where he restores life and vigor to the vast multitude that lay slain and reduced to dry bones upon the field of battle the hand of the lord is upon me says the prophet and brought me forth in the spirit of the lord and set me down in the midst of the plain that was full of bones and he led me about through them on every side now there were very many on the face of the plain and they were exceedingly dry and he said to me son of man dost thou think these bones shall live and i answered o lord god thou knowest and he said to me prophesy concerning these bones and say to them ye dry bones hear the word of the lord thus saith the lord god to these bones behold i will send spirit into you and you shall live and i prophesied as he had commanded me 
and as i prophesied there was a noise and behold a commotion and the bones came together each one to its joint and i saw and behold the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin was stretched out over them but there was no spirit in them and he said to me prophesy to the spirit prophesy o son of man and say to the spirit thus saith the lord god come spirit from the four winds and breathe upon these slain and let them live again and i prophesied as he had commanded me and the spirit came into them and they lived and they stood upon their feet an exceeding great army and the lord god said you shall know that i am the lord when i shall have opened your sepulchres and shall have brought you out of your graves o my people and shall put my spirit into you and you shall live ezekiel chapter thirty seven verses one through fourteen but although promised as the giver of life in the old testament the holy spirit was not completely manifested as the third person of the holy trinity until the accomplishment of the divine mystery of the incarnation when the father revealed him through the son as the power of the most high he was manifested to mary at the incarnation to john the baptist and his disciples he was manifested at the baptism of jesus when he appeared in the form of a dove resting upon the son of god whom a voice proclaimed to be the teacher of mankind he was manifested when the son of god proclaimed his mission in the synagogue of nazareth the spirit of the lord is upon me wherefore he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he hath sent me st luke chapter four verse eighteen he was manifested in the preaching of christ who promised him as the enlightener and strengthener of souls he was manifested in the glorious transfiguration of christ when his interior glory streamed forth to chosen witnesses and the holy spirit was in the bright cloud above and his voice came from the cloud he was manifested after the resurrection when the son of god breathed on his apostles and said receive ye the holy ghost whose sins ye shall forgive they are forgiven them st john chapter twenty verses twenty two and twenty three he was manifested in splendor and glory on the day of pentecost when as in a mighty wind he came down from heaven and rested in tongues of fire upon the heads of the apostles and they were all filled with the holy ghost acts chapter two verse four through the apostles the holy spirit was manifested to the world in the inspiration of their preaching the fortitude of their sufferings and the wisdom and sanctity of their lives he is incessantly manifested in the church through her wonderful unity the unchangeableness of her teaching the divine gifts of her ministering and the number of her saints what a mighty creator is the holy spirit exclaimed saint gregory he has only to touch the soul and all is taught he fills the youthful david with his spirit and he becomes the psalmist he fills the rustic amos with his spirit and he becomes a prophet 
he fills the child daniel with his spirit and he judges the elders and proclaims the coming destruction of princes and powers he fills the fishermen with his spirit and he becomes an apostle he fills the persecuting pharisee with his spirit and he becomes the doctor of the gentiles quickly is it done for the grace of the holy spirit knows no tardy delays what are we to understand by the gifts of the holy ghost in what do they agree with the graces of the virtues in what do they differ from them what again are the effects which they produce in souls that are faithful to them the attribute of the holy spirit as the lord and giver of life deserves prolonged meditation and what follows will be but the exposition of that attribute spiritual life implies light love freedom power and union with god through his spirit dwelling in us the holy spirit is the principle of love and union in the holy trinity he is also the gracious principle of our union with god his sanctifying grace gives the first principle of supernatural life to our soul in baptism and in this sanctifying or justifying grace we receive the habit of the theological and moral virtues these habits are the operations of the holy spirit within our souls giving us dispositions and inclinations to believe in god to hope in him to love him and to fulfil the law of god in the exercise of the other virtues sanctifying grace comes with charity and is charity this charity gives life and by it we receive the beginning of the gifts of the holy ghost but this sanctifying or justifying grace is a supernatural and divine principle implanted by the holy spirit in the soul how it is received into the soul so as to reach all her powers saint thomas will explain as the powers of the soul flow from her essence and these powers are the principles of her actions so from sanctifying grace the habits of the virtues flow through the essence of the soul into her powers and through these habits of virtue the powers are moved into action but this sanctifying grace is more than a divine principle it is an actual partaking of the holy spirit of god of which st peter says grace to you and peace be accomplished in the knowledge of god and of christ jesus our lord as all things of divine power which appertain to life and godliness are given to us through the knowledge of him who hath called us by his own proper glory and virtue by whom he hath given us most great and precious promises that by these you may be made partakers of the divine nature two peter chapter one verses two through four and saint paul teaches that the charity of god is poured forth in our hearts by the holy ghost who is given to us romans chapter five verse five these words the holy ghost who is given to us and we are made partakers of the divine nature require careful explanation st thomas observes that although the light and power of grace are partakings of the divine nature 
and the sanctifying grace of the holy spirit establishes in us a holy union with god yet this is by a created participation and not by a partaking of the substance of god it comes of his divine presence in the soul and of his operation and is the result of his divine action nor is it the substance of the soul but it is given to that substance and may be taken away from the unworthy for which reason st paul says know you not that you are the temple of god and the spirit of god dwells in you but if any man violate the temple of god him will god destroy one corinthians chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen we owe it to the supreme condescension of god that his holy spirit attaches himself to his gifts of sanctifying grace and charity by so doing he dwells in us imparts life to us adopts us establishes us in dignity makes us like to god and moves us towards god but the holy ghost is never without the father and the son with whom he is to us the bond of union this truth our lord expressed to his disciples in the words if any one will love me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and will make our abode with him st john chapter fourteen verse twenty three after which words he promises his holy spirit that we may love him the sanctifying grace of the holy spirit establishes us therefore in a supernatural state of life raises the image of god within us to his likeness makes us god's children inheritors of his kingdom and temples in which he deigns to dwell so great noble and precious is this grace exalting the soul above the order of nature and bringing her into such union with god that the good of this grace in one single soul is greater than all the natural good of the whole universe what an inexhaustible subject of meditation and gratitude the presence of god in the soul gifted with charity is a divine fact to be realized by the mind to the utmost it places the possessor of grace in a divine order of things that leads up to god and points to his glory take the whole circle of created nature where grace is not that nature is powerless to ascend to god it follows of necessity that there can be no proportion of value between grace and nature but the gifts of the holy ghost have a higher excellence a superior force and more powerful efficacy than the habits of the virtues they have immediate reference to the holy ghost as dwelling within us from whom they proceed as from their direct cause and their most bountiful giver for it is one thing to have divine movements in the soul and another to have the divine mover present and acting immediately within the powers and perfecting their action st thomas defines the gifts of the holy ghost to be certain habits that perfect the soul to obey the holy spirit with promptitude these habits attract the soul to follow the divine inspiration or inbreathings with ease and freedom 
the holy spirit himself is called altissimi donum dei the gift by excellence of the most high god the seven gifts are called the seven spirits as well that is to say the seven radiations of divine light flowings of spiritual unction breathings of power that attract and draw the will to comply with the inspirations of the holy spirit st paul says there are diversities of graces but one spirit and st thomas justly remarks that we ought to follow the language of holy scripture which calls these gifts spirits the spirit of wisdom the spirit of knowledge and the rest the seven gifts are seven divine qualities inbreathed it may be a question whether the seven spirits before the throne of god may not each represent one of the seven gifts of the holy spirit in an eminent degree the breathing of the spirit into adam gave him the breath of spiritual life upon his creation the breathing of christ upon the apostles conveyed to them the power of the holy spirit to heal the fallen adam and his descendants receive ye the holy ghost whose sins ye shall forgive they are forgiven them but the holy spirit dwelling within the soul is the fountain of the seven gifts which truth we express in the hymn of the church in which we invite him to come and fill our souls in which also we call upon him as the living spring the living fire sweet unction and true love and we ask him to confirm and strengthen us with constant power there are two principles of movement then in the christian soul one is the movement of the man the other is the movement of god the mere human virtues move from natural reason the christian virtues move from grace the free will works with them and they perfect the man towards his salvation but the gifts of the holy ghost give a higher perfection to the faculties than the grace of the virtues raising our spirit to higher things and rendering it prompt vigorous and readily responsive to the divine influences four of these gifts knowledge understanding counsel and wisdom refer to the illuminating and elevating of the mind the other three fortitude piety and fear of the lord refer directly to the strengthening sweetening and exalting of the will because they affect the heart or will with the sense of divine things but the four gifts to the mind are also gifts to the will because they are not only the greatest illuminators and guides of the will but give freedom and strength of action to the will whether in contemplation or in the conduct of life for the gift of wisdom which includes the other three is of the heart as well as of the mind giving a sensible relish of those heavenly things which the truth presents to the mind and which we feel through the unction of the holy spirit of this divine illumination of the holy spirit our lord says he will teach you all truth and again he will bring to your mind whatsoever i shall have said to you st john chapter fourteen verse twenty six and st paul tells us we have received the spirit that is of god 
that we may know the things that are given us from god 1 corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 and commending the colossians for their love in the spirit the apostle asked for them the whole perfecting operation of the holy spirit that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of god in all things pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god strengthened with all might according to the power of his glory in all patience and long-suffering with joy giving thanks to god the father who hath made us partakers of the lot of the saints in light colossians chapter one verses nine through twelve in this inspired passage we have presented to us the whole illuminating and strengthening power of the holy spirit perfecting the virtues with his gifts with respect again to the gifts of fortitude and piety the apostle says if we hope for that which we see not we wait for it in patience likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmity for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself asketh for us with unspeakable groanings and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what the spirit desireth because he asketh for the saints according to god romans chapter eight verses twenty five through twenty seven when the divine gifts coincide with the virtues they are only distinguished by their greater splendor and fruitfulness the virtues are given in the grace of baptism the gifts are given in greater strength and abundance in confirmation and are afterwards augmented in proportion to the humility and charity of the receiver of this we have divine assurance if you love me keep my commandments and i will ask the father and he will give you another paraclete that he may abide with you for ever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not nor knoweth him but you shall know him because he shall abide with you and remain with you st john chapter fourteen verses fifteen through seventeen we must therefore understand that the spiritual movements of the soul are imperfect and inadequate to reach their end in a perfect way without the immediate presence inspiration and operation of the holy spirit moving us according to the light and sense of his eternal wisdom yet he only moves us so far as we are disposed to be moved and when we do not oppose him with the dull resistance and unbending tenacity of our self-will clinging to unworthy or defiling things but when the will is open pure and free we may confidently say with the psalmist thy good spirit shall lead me into the right land psalm 142 verse 10 and we may feel the assurance given us by saint paul that whosoever are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god romans chapter 8 verse 14 let then the soul understand this thoroughly and reflect upon it earnestly 
that it is the presence charity and action of the holy ghost within us that makes us acceptable to god when we are faithfully obedient to his light and inspirations for what pleases our heavenly father in us is his own divine spirit given to us through the merits of his son working in our nature and drawing our will and mind to work with him when our heavenly father beholds the blood of his son upon our soul his gospel in our heart and his spirit within our spirit moving us towards him when he sees his own spirit spreading out his gifts in our powers and hears that spirit pleading for us through the prayer that he inspires with his own unspeakable utterances our heavenly father is propitiated by the great presence within us and is pleased to accept us for the sake of the divine good that has come into us and which is the bond of union between the feeble creature and her omnipotent and all-pure creator the holy ghost is also our protector from our enemies for quoting st thomas once more when the gifts of the holy ghost are combined with the virtues they are sufficient to exclude the sins and vices and to protect us both in the present and in the future from sin but with respect to past sins whose guilt is not yet removed we have a special remedy in the sacraments yet the movements of the holy ghost are so far from impeding the freedom of the will that they promote that freedom as nothing else can for they raise the will out of its material fetters repel the obstacles to that freedom interposed by self-love and by the other clogging vices and give greater freedom by giving greater power to the will hence st paul says where is the spirit of the lord there is liberty two corinthians chapter three verse seventeen st basil compares man to a ship under sail the ship may be well constructed and provided but without the impulse of the wind it cannot move towards its destination so man may have sanctifying grace and the habits of the virtues but without the moving power of the holy spirit he cannot advance towards god without the wind the ship is not at liberty without the breathing of the holy spirit the soul has not her spiritual freedom end of lecture nine part one